Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is WSBT's Community Update on 96.1 WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. As mass coronavirus vaccination clinics start to wind down, the effort to get shots into arms goes more and more local. It's one of the first big events at La Casa de Amistad's new location in South Bend, a mobile vaccine clinic welcoming hundreds of people from the community. Folks were walking in like 10 till 9. So we were busy before even that, that that ticker started, and we have stayed steady the entire time. More than 120 people registered for their shot today, but there were also plenty of walk-ins. Folks can walk in, see a welcoming or familiar face. Uh, to be able to be greeted you know, in your, in your native tongue also helps. So when our staff go up to them, greet them, walk them through the entire process, make sure they get registered, are fully informed of their rights and how it's all going to work, that definitely gives you a different level of trust. Some, like Nick Morales, stopping by after receiving this countywide alert on his phone this morning with details on where to go. I got an alert on my phone and it said it was free and, uh, well, let's take advantage of that. Yeah. So uh, me and my wife decided to get it because my daughter was pushing us to, so, to be safe. Yeah. Be safe and sorry. Morales says he's been waiting for an alert like this. He says the location was convenient for his family. Close to where that. We chop around here all the time, so it's, it's really it's good for us. And staff from La Casa de Amistad say they've been helping those who may be hesitant about getting the shot, answering questions and walking them through the entire process. So for us to just be there hand in hand with our community, explaining what the process is like and then, you know, what, what, what questions are being asked makes them feel a little more comfortable, I believe. Ultimately bringing more people to the vaccine clinic, increasing county vaccination numbers. WSBT 22's Lauren Becker reporting. We may finally be turning the corner on the coronavirus pandemic, but as St. Joseph County Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox keeps saying, the biggest danger is pretending it's completely over before it really is. He joined WSBT 22's First in the Morning's Bob Montgomery for another of his weekly updates this past Monday. A number of school districts have recently come out with their statements. Not surprisingly, they're going to keep the masks and social distancing in place, which I would imagine would be appropriate through the end of the school year but then look at the new policies for that point forward. PHM, however, has already said that come summer school, which is in essence just about three or four weeks away, they're going to make it mask optional for the students and the teachers. You think that's good advice? So it's a really challenging time because you know I think the CDC got the science right on what fully vaccinated people can do. Especially elementary kids won't even have had the chance to be vaccinated. So. But the governor's order is that schools, K through 12 schools have to remain in masks. That gets them through the academic year. I think that was critically important. Moving forward from that, you know, our recommendation is that everyone who's unvaccinated remain in masks. And so especially, again, at the elementary level, that's essentially everyone. Um, I know that the schools are getting a lot of pressure, frankly, from both sides and trying to navigate it. And without a governor's order and without a health department order, um, some will, will indicate that masks are not required, 
but the language around that, that they're optional, that they're not required, the real message is they're still recommended in that age group. Um, and the only, the only saving grace there is that in elementary school age kids, they're less likely to have serious adverse consequences, not none, but less likely, and they're less likely to transmit it. But our recommendation is anyone who's unvaccinated continue to wear a mask in enclosed public spaces. There has been a little disconnect between what the CDC had issued for its official guidance in some cases versus what what you were saying as a person who was following this in the real world and the researchers. And I'm talking about specifically outdoor transmission issues and especially among kids. There is still some guidance that says when you're outside and in close contact even with kids, you should probably be wearing a mask when you're outside. But the real world data seems to also show that there's a very minimal opportunity for a transmission risk. And again, especially with the, the younger risk for the young kids. Should kids playing outside with other kids in an outdoor area have to wear a mask? You know, by and large, I would say no. I think if you're in a rugby scrum, it's one thing. Um, but if you're playing soccer or, or baseball or softball or something, I think or even it's, at the playground. At the playground, I think it's fine to be without a mask in those settings. What do you tell people who are still vaccine hesitant, and, and not necessarily because of their saying, well, I'm not sure about the science of it because it might be a difficult opportunity to, to change minds, but the people who are saying, I'm gonna let everybody else get vaccinated. If they're protected and there's very little chance of them transmitting it to me, I'll just let the 70% get vaccinated. We'll reach herd immunity and I'll be part of that 30% and I don't have to get the vaccine for whatever reason. What risk are they running? And what risk does that pose to the community? Yeah, and so I, that's kind of the selfish view of herd immunity. It's good for everyone else, but not for me. Um, and so they do run the risk of, of getting more severely ill if they should encounter coronavirus and of transmitting it to other people. So it's bad for them, it's bad for other people. And you know, vaccine herd immunity really is is a commitment to the common good as much as anything. What, what about the, the danger of variants as well for some of those folks who don't get it? If they do get it, my understanding, obviously you know much more than I about this, my understanding is every time a person gets it, that you run that risk of a variant showing up. And Absolutely. then, who knows? Right, that so point. that creates a reservoir where variants can flourish and that's, that's what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to limit the possibility. Because you never know if a variant shows up that the vaccine won't cover Correct. at this point. All right, so booster shots. Uh, do you feel like there's been a lot of discussion? There was discussion that pretty good chance we'll need them. Then they're saying, well, maybe not. What's the current thought on whether we'll need a booster shot and when might that happen? Yeah, I don't have a good sense of when, but the most of what I'm hearing is that we will probably have an annual or, or every two year type of booster, depending on how long the immunity lasts. And so, you know, the best thing would be ultimately to have a, a flu and COVID booster combo. Um, and everyone would get that once a year and we'd live happily ever after. Are we uh, still on the path? I know the FDA is gonna be meeting and talking about this uh, sometime soon, of having the younger children, six months and older, uh, being at least eligible for the vaccine? Yeah, we expect that probably late summer, early fall. Probably not in time for the start of school, but soon after the start. That was going to lead me into my next question is, do you think kids will have to wear masks once they go back in the fall? You know, I think the bulk of them still will not be vaccinated. I still think that would be the safest thing. If we can drive the, the community transmission down, you know, extraordinarily low, um, then the risk of them being exposed out in the community will be sufficiently low that it may be safe to go unmasked. But 
We're certainly not there yet, so the current recommendation is if you're unvaccinated to wear a mask. Now this is our, our last regularly scheduled. We're not going to do this every time. We'll bring you in as needed. But I have to ask you this final question, and that is your biggest concern going forward. Are you more concerned about people thinking that the pandemic is over, or are you more concerned about trying to get those last skeptics vaccinated? Boy, that's a, that's a tough question. It's really kind of a combo. Um, it's important to get the, the wait and see group vaccinated so that we can drive those numbers down low enough that we, all of us vaccinated or unvaccinated can go about our lives. Um, but I, the danger that we've seen throughout the pandemic is, is people prematurely declaring victory and, and thinking that things are getting much better. And then we've seen these spikes of things getting worse. Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. South Bend's new Community Police Review Board director says he's eager to start engaging with citizens and officers. Joshua Reynolds laid out his priorities for the office for the first time this week. Reynolds says he understands the challenges the position holds to build greater trust, accountability, and transparency of police. He says giving people a seat at the table during investigations of police misconduct will go a long way to improve relations with law enforcement. And his first step will be reaching out to community members. I'm going to be coming up and listening to various community groups. Uh, we're, we're discussing setting up uh, meetings in each district so that the community can come out and tell me their concerns. He says it's important to be proactive and to use data to reduce risk for misconduct in advance so there's greater compliance with the police disciplinary matrix and department policies. We do that through supporting effective policing efforts, uh, recommending new policies and training, building bridges and understanding between the community and the police, and increasing confidence in the police. The Common Council will begin the process of selecting board members under Reynolds soon. The goal is to have the board trained by September and begin reviewing complaints in a fair and timely manner. They will not have the power to discipline officers, but can recommend policy changes. Reynolds says he's prepared to lead the office because he has 20 years of investigative experience, including 14 years as a police officer. That gives me an understanding of what officers are trained to do in this, in this state, what the uh, policies are for most police departments and how they're developed. Uh, and that gives me an insight on what uh, concerns of police officers might be uh, for their own safety and how we can address that to what the community needs from them. City Clerk Don Jones hired Reynolds with input from Common Council members. Some critics say the hiring process wasn't transparent enough, but she says the public did participate and the process was fair for the candidates and the community. I have been a public servant of this community for nearly 30 years. I am not new to this. I am true to this. Jones did not mention why Reynolds left his position in law enforcement. South Bend Fraternal Order of Police President Harvey Mills tells me they are, quote, researching serious concerns as to why Reynolds was let go from the Indianapolis Metro Police Department. WSBT 22's Caroline Torrey later reported the FOP said their concerns had been alleviated and they consider Reynolds a good candidate for the job. Unlike last year, Notre Dame's commencement exercises were live and in person this year, if masked and distanced inside Notre Dame Stadium. It is a great day to celebrate and give thanks. After a remarkable year, here we are at graduation. And it was a weekend filled with graduation ceremonies. New at 10, Notre Dame graduates are sharing their thoughts about being able to walk the stage. 
WSBT 22's Erica Finkies at the live desk. And Erica, overall, students and parents are very thankful for this opportunity this year. That's right. And Caroline, especially after last year's ceremony was canceled and fluctuating coronavirus numbers in the county, graduation ceremonies were a wild card. But experiencing a real graduation without mask is something many students and family members were excited to see. Trumpets blaring and students walking. Graduation is always a time for students to reflect on accomplishments. Jeff Allman is proud to graduate from Notre Dame's executive master's program, especially after some challenges with virtual learning. So we were here in person uh, for most of it, but then for the last three months we did have to do work from home. and. I think it was a challenge for everybody, professors, students, uh, to, to try to adapt to that. Alexa Tipton graduated from the law school. Despite all the difficulties of virtual learning in a pandemic, Tipton says she had a great year and is happy to celebrate with family and friends. It was very difficult when we were virtual. Um, it was hard to stay focused at home and everything, but I was really happy that we were able to come back and learn directly from the professors. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this was the first Notre Dame commencement for parent Gary Wester. He has three daughters that attended the university, but the first two didn't get to participate in the commencement. He says today's ceremony was special and fantastic. It really encourages the students, no matter what field they're in, to go out and use what they've learned here to lead, to use their faith and their experience and to just be honest and to make the world a better place. Class of 2021 graduates are excited for the future and some wish the class of 2020 could have gotten the same opportunity. Very, very grateful to have been able to be here in person and celebrate with my classmates. Thoughts go out to all the members of the class of 2020 who missed out on that. Students that are coming back in the fall will need to be vaccinated for the coronavirus. WSBT 22's Erica Finke reporting. American flags appeared again this week at cemeteries across the country as veterans honor those who went before them for Memorial Day. One such location is Fairview Cemetery in Mishawaka. Behind each tombstone, there's a name and a story. Several veterans came to recognize and honor those who dedicate chapters in their life to protecting this country. Actually, it's kind of a great honor that we did this because someday we'll be in the ground too. And hopefully they continue what they're doing now today. I salute them. They did more than I did. They did their life to free this world. Nearly 2,800 flags at the cemetery alone are now displayed in front of each headstone. The fresh colors waving in the wind, giving new life to some who have been gone for many years. There's a, a Revolutionary War soldier buried out here too. So it's quite emotional seeing all these flags. I even seen some now from the uh, Persian Gulf, which I was in Desert Storm. Or names they grew up with. One of my classmates from grade school, he's buried out here, and he's a Vietnam veteran also. And as time goes on, these veterans also see the importance of continuing the tradition, having to add more flags every year. WSBT 22's DJ Manu reporting. Memorial Day is tomorrow, May 31st. The views expressed on WSBT's community update are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host, WSBT Radio, its staff or management. Join us again next week on Community Update on the Sports Leader, 96.1 WSBT.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 